Good. Welcome to nobody because there's nobody showing up tonight. So we'll see how long the show goes, but welcome to our daily gun show. We come to you live every weeknight at midnight Eastern and we talk about guns for about an hour. We're a little bit late tonight. Uh, we're going to blame that on Ann Feinstein. So uh, normally we would go live at midnight Eastern, talk about guns for an hour. Uh, Diane Feinstein's got our puppy coffin over here, so we've been putting our attention elsewhere. He's got the dry heaves tonight. So we're going to do an open topic talk tonight. And this puppy keeps coughing. Maybe he'll just keep coughing here while we're uh, trying to talk. Roy's out there. Good evening. Uh, let's see. We do have a poll going. So we'll see if the people showing up tonight that vote on the poll will give us some uh, indication of what their feelings are on the most top important topic of the week. So the top, the uh, options are the assault weapons bans, because there's more than one of them, the new pistol base brace rules, the new frame definitions, or something else. And if you got something else on your mind, then uh, you can put that in the topics or that in the uh, comments there. So a uh, bit distracted tonight, but that's the uh, case. That'll happen every once in a while when you do a show every single weeknight. It's not always going to be 100% uh, focused. Little puppy has uh, been sick and now uh, doing better and better throughout the week. Woke up today, seemed like he was doing just fine, been fine all day, and then in the last couple hours started coughing all over the place and being a spaz, so got me all distracted and uh, distracted, essentially. Paying attention to now him and what he's doing. But, uh, you know, we I was noticing a couple of different things. I guess I'll just kind of go through the history here of what I've been watching today. Uh, let's see. So there's a way to shove, shove that stuff off the side of the screen. Okay. Uh, just was watching the reload here. I got through, I'd say, the meat of the reload uh, to the part where they had Cam on as the guest. And they were talking about, uh, I guess, the pistol base brace and some of the other news of the day. Sometimes the reload will cut through the the, the uh, obvious dance and ask why people are dancing or why the music started playing in the first place. Then that would I would value a little bit more. This time they seem to just reflect on the, uh, the song that's being sung. But, you know, it's a thing. But uh, 
that's pretty much what everybody's doing now is just listening to the song and commenting on the lyrics instead of questioning why the song's playing in the first place. Who decided it's time for us to dance and why did they start making the music play? And, uh, you know, I would suggest I put it out there as a ponder. Do we have to dance every time the music plays? Are we allowed to understand that the music will play once in a while and we can tap our foot or we can nod, we can make an, an indication that we understand the music's playing, but we're not about to just start dancing every time the tune comes on. Yeah, I've used the punching bag analogy. Maybe I should start using the uh, dancing to the music analogy. So let's see, in addition to that, uh, been watching some stuff on concealed carry liability coverages or policies been pretty interesting doing a little bit of a dive into that this time last year i did a pretty deep dive it took about a week to dig into discover and try to understand and then compile and archive some data and then spend some time presenting that that took a week then those videos went up once a week for quite a while, for months. And the feedback that you get from doing a project like that, deep in, diving deep into the subject, creating and then presenting the information that you accumulated over some time, really gives you another layer. There's, there's a couple of layers there. There's the uh, original interest in the subject and the importance or the validity of the subject you know, and big spectrum of things. Then there's the amount of time you can actually give the project, how much of a dive you can actually do, right? Then you've got the uh, results of that, what you come up with and whether or not that's, if that's the whole picture, or if that's a portion of the picture, or if you really can tell from where you, what you've been able to discover. And then there's attempting to present that, right? All of that is work and all of that is stuff to do but then you have the uh the consequences of it what people make of it what they interpret from it and how they react to it all that's very interesting and it adds up so uh probably one of the reasons i haven't attempted to duplicate that or update that project is the uh is the return on the investment there or the t what you get in return for that type of investment and it's probably an indication of why uh, nobody attempts to continue doing anything like that, which is frustrating because then that also means that the uh, circumstances will remain the same and people will continue to uh, prosper. Let's just put it that way. Let's see. Then we had the a new project go live. To, you did this last night, tonight, today, and uh, that's the new sewing machine robot. Alan Anchor, our friends over in California, have, uh, oops, have set it up to make it easy or possible for us to buy their robot. And uh, we've started a campaign over on Indiegogo, which is a crowdfunding platform. And for the next 28 days or so, there'll be opportunities for people to help us raise the funds to get a new robot. We'll the funds to buy the robot from them to drive to California and get it 
work with them a little while while they have it there, tear it all down, drag it back to Arizona and start to fiddle with it. See what a new robot can do for the projects that we're working on and then what we can do with for others with that, with that resource, with that new tool. So, so it's already just a few hours into it and we've already got six people on board, 3% of our goal of $7,000. So if you're interested in participating, for sure, uh, jump on board. The first uh, 10 people will get something cool. The first 25 people will get something cool. We've got some hidden perks for Patreons, if you're already uh, a subscriber to what we do over on Patreon. Normally, I'd say we're a channel member on YouTube. That was taken away from us recently. So uh, if you have been a channel member, let us know. We've got some hidden perks we can give you a link to. And it essentially gives you a couple of bucks off on the, uh, the projects or the perks for the project. And uh, we'll be adding some new ones as I'm discovering what hats cost and how hats work. We'll probably put some a hat perk on there and then maybe more once we uh, gonna go along for a few days here. So that's uh, something that we went live for about an hour and a half earlier today uh, talking about that. Puppy had a uh, crazy reverse sneeze or reverse sniffles or something, some kind of a wheezing, sneezing fit. He had one just before the show started again. So according to the internet, that's something that can happen as an allergy or when they're uh, susceptible. And I may have messed with them inadvertently by having too much pepper in the house. And if it's a little... Nose is raw right now because of the being sick, and then I've got all these uh, peppers cooking in here. That might actually be uh, not what he needs. So I'm gonna alter my menu here for the next few days and not cook with as many spicy things. And hopefully that'll help him to not sneeze so much. Uh, G23 is saying I'll help try to help out now that I'm out of the hospital. Right on. So you're out of the hospital. That's good to hear appreciate that. We've got a month, so helping by sharing the project will help out a lot. But yeah, looking forward to being able to, uh, you know, I worked on a couple of patches for you, you but uh, even though yours is fairly simple, that was three or sometimes four color changes. So if we look at G23's logo on the bottom of the left of the screen here, his would have been like a gray color for the background, then probably a black or maybe the, the orange, but probably the black for the G. And then you'd stack the orange on top of that G so that it would be nice and crisp. But then you're probably going to want to outline that thing in black also. So that's switching colors again over to black. And you could, I could probably cheat and do gray, orange, and black, but you could tell it would not look as good as doing gray, black, orange, black. And, you know, that would be another color change. So that was just a thing that made it just one more barrier to just whipping out patches for you. Uh, then there's the whole idea of the, the outline of yours. And with the system I was using, uh, let's just say that lent itself to, um, it was harder to experiment with materials. So after hearing how Alan Anchor has been doing stuff and knowing how some other places do their stuff, I'm looking forward to uh, coming up with solutions to logos like yours, where before I 
the, the tool I had, the, the machine that I had, technically could do it, but it was such a laborious and like lo-fi way of doing it that it wouldn't have looked all that good. And not that the way I'm going to, or this machine will be able to do miracles or anything, but compared to what I was able to do, it's going to be able to be much more interesting. So I'm looking forward to being able to fiddle with that. All right, so going into, I'm basically looking at the history of my YouTube over here to get an idea of the stuff I've been checking out. I did find um, Millspec Monkey, a cool dude who I've known for a long, long time now, uh, goes to SHOT Show and did some booth reviews, or in this case, reviews of some new, I guess you'd say product. Essentially, though, what we've got is Stockland uh, camo is a new type of camo coming out from a couple of snipers. Uh, Marine and an Army sniper got together, and they've created a new camouflage, which is you know, camouflages are camouflages, but in, for them, this is a camouflage that they, I guess, works better for what they're doing. And it's it's sort of a muddy multicam mixed with a little blotchy tiger stripey looking thing, maybe a little Rhodesian kind of flair to it, the Rhodesian colors with sort of a muddy multicam kind of look to it. So it's a much, it's much more uh, green and brown than a lot of uh, camos. In any case, they've been working on it for a while. They've been uh, developing it for a few years. And when you create a camouflage, what are you going to do with it? You're going to apply it to something. You're going to sew it into something. You're going to do something with that camouflage. And you're either going to, well, you, you know, depending on how you feel like introducing it, let's say, you're going to go after certain markets or you're going to go with certain designs or certain products, I guess. So in this case, Sniper Dynamics, they made this Stockland camo, and they have gone with some, I'm going to say, cutting-edge materials. And these are materials that are used, I should say, yeah, I guess they're still considered materials, but they're materials that are results of innovation in technique rather than innovation in material characteristics or the, the source materials. So in other words, they still use nylon and, and cotton. It's just that they're sewn in a technically different way that's a stronger weave. It creates a stronger product, similar to the way ripstop is sewn in a way that prohibits long tears in the material. This Nyco and some other of the materials they're using are, um, they picked some, some kind of state-of-the-art materials to present their camouflage so it's presenting their camouflage color scheme and it's also in some interesting products and those products come from a series or a spectrum of suppliers so different companies have made different elements of some kit with their camo and i knew of it he was telling me about it at the true spec booth but he was telling me about it, and there was nothing to take pictures of. I think I took some pictures of his pants. So I got some pictures of a guy's pants, and the pants are interesting. They're fairly unique because they've adjusted them from the standard cut for them, but not enough to make it a new pair of pants, really. It's just that it's a, a way that they can have their 
camouflage prototypes in a you know kind of a unique pair of pants. But it's not something they're producing. He just happened to be wearing them. And they had a badge holder, which is also something they're not producing. So having Milspec Monkey's five-minute video, which is probably less time than it took me to explain what I'm trying to talk about here, was cool. Because, like I said, I think the product was worth talking about. And I didn't do it justice. I didn't have the ability to do it justice because of the way our conversation happened. We were kind of both waiting for somebody else to get done talking. So we ended up talking to be polite and then be an interest. I was interested in what he was doing. He just wasn't really there to present his project or his product. So, you know, I, I didn't really uh, create a really good video or anything. So anyway, it was cool to see kind of a, a more a deeper explanation plus a documented explanation with Millspec Monkey's video. Uh, let's see, I've been watching some videos on Blender, so I guess I won't bring them up, but Chris from the 740 had posted a video about those U.S. Palm Green magazines. That was pretty interesting. I don't know if anybody's uh, checked those things out. Roy says he thinks he's the seventh backer for the robot. Right on. Thank you very much. Um, I'll probably be doing some updates I don't want to bug everybody about it, but I'll be doing some updates to keep people aware of the progress. And, um, you know, again, kind of depending on how fast it might get funded or how fast we might get some reaction to it. If it starts to get funded sooner than later, I'll start making the trip, the plans for the trip to California. And there's some incremental steps in the project. And again, it, it's about 140 people need to participate. And then it's funded and it's, you know, I'm on my way to California to go pick up that robot. So if all of a sudden 100 people start jumping on board and it's essentially funded already, um, we'll be spending more and more time because we're not going to wait until it's over for this particular project. It's, it's not like some projects where we have the project run for a month and then collect the funds, which doesn't happen right away. It takes some time. And then once the funds are accumulated, then purchase whatever it is and then wait for it to be produced and then shipped, finally redistributed or reship it out to everybody, you know, divide it up and ship it out to everybody. That sometimes takes two or three months. If this thing starts to get funded sooner than later, I'll just book it over to California spend some time over there get, uh, learning the machine and then gathering it up and then haul ass back to Arizona and start figuring it out. And the, that way everybody gets their loot a lot faster. And, you know, we just start, start incorporating the, the robot and that projects, those projects that it'll create into the mix, you know, sooner than later. So thanks again for, uh, for doing that. And again, kind of stay tuned to, I guess what I'm saying is the frequency of content about the sewing robot will be determined by how fast the sewing robot becomes reality or not. So hopefully it'll become reality. Hopefully it'll become reality sooner than later. And if that's the case, obviously we'll turn up the heat on that and go get it. So I did watch quite a few videos about the brand of the machine itself. Uh, Checked out some from Allen Anchor, where they added some laser technology to it, some weaponry, and then uh, serviced it, did all kinds of lubrications to it. Uh, and then I watched a couple of other people's videos. 
off air, I guess, just watching. I guess people's experiences is the best way to say it. Some people are stoked. They love the thing. Other people are kind of more frustrated and just not as as able to deal with it. Uh, Roy is saying, how is asking, there's Wesley out there also. Roy is saying, uh, how hard is it to operate a sewing robot? Is it like a CNC? Nah, they're, they're fairly easy because they don't have many, well, I mean, I guess, yes, they're like a CNC, but they're like a an Apple Macintosh version of a CNC instead of a Windows or Linux version of a CNC. So they essentially, most of them that I've seen, you can put the file, the file gets created somewhere else. The file, let's say the, the design or whatever, uh, gets created on a computer or someplace and then just exists. So you got this file. Most of the time you put the file into the machine and you get everything kind of lined up to wherever you want the design to happen on the fabric or the material. Sometimes you want it to be on the left side of the shirt or right in the center of the shirt or on the arm or whatever, you know, so you get it all lined up and then you hit a button and it starts to sew. So there's not too much to mess with. Sometimes you can mess with like how fast the needles are going to go, the rate, and then sometimes you can adjust some tension or something like that. But uh, with the CNC, from my experience, you have a lot more variables in the, in the file, in the software. So the file itself, you can tell the drill bit how fast to go. You can determine what size bit you're going to use or what size uh, drill you're going to use or something so that the software kind of knows what it's working with. With the sewing machine, you don't really tell the machine doesn't listen to anything from the file. It's just listening to the map of where the stitches should be. But uh, as far as I know, maybe I'm using software that doesn't give me control of stuff the machine could do. But I'm not aware of anywhere near as many uh, controls or adjustments that can be uh, touched on or dealt with through the file with the sewing machine or with the sewing files compared to CNC. Like I say, CNC, you can say, do this much of the work and then pause for 30 seconds because you're gonna go in there and mess with something. With the sewing machine stuff, you just, best you can hope for is to take the process of the different colors and separate them so that there's a, a place for you to add a pause by not, uh, you know, by just not, moving on to the next color but there's uh i guess i'll caveat that again now that i'm thinking about it and saying it i'm sure it's possible to get software that can tell your sewing machine when to pull its needle up or down and i'm just not using software that can do that but i've also never seen any about having that kind of control over your soft over your sewing machines However, this new one, the one that I'm trying to grab off of Owen Anchor, it's essentially got a tablet attached to it. Mine had an up and down arrow. So the menu on mine was close to being what we had on a calculator watch or less. 
back in the 80s and the new ones have some kind of a tablet attached to them so unless that tablet is just there to give you a color version of the file i'm guessing there might be some more adjustments or some more things you can mess with on the uh the newer ones but uh from what i've been watching it's more like how to oil the thing how to adjust the thing how to re-thread the thing there haven't been at least I haven't seen any videos yet on how to work the software or how to, I don't know, manip what would that be called, like manipulate the, the sew out? I don't know what that's called. But otherwise, the other part of that question, how hard is it to operate a sewing robot? Uh, man, it's more than, it's more difficult than any kind of cooking or kitchen apparatus than I can imagine. I can't think of any cooking thing except for maybe the craziest potato slicer or something that would be hard to clean. I can't think of anything more difficult than all the threading of the stupid needles on these machines. In fact, some of them, it's such a pain in the butt that they thread the needles for you and they encourage you to just sort of tie the new thread to the old thread so you have to figure out, you know, you don't have to try to recreate the path from scratch. Some of them have tubes to make it a little easier. So you just jam the thread down a tube. But um, I mean, I literally have a, a machine that's a one trick pony for doing the edges of things. And it's broken and half of being broken is that I can't thread the thing anymore. It's just I don't know the tolerances or where these things should be coming near each other. It's like trying to memorize how the mouth of a crayfish works, which is it's chaos. And somehow these little levers and stuff don't touch each other. Anyhow, so that's what most of the videos have been about, like how to deal with threading it or how to deal with lubricating it. watching some people doing various like histories of the pistol braces and I don't know it's not that hard to do the actual research I did it in I think a day or two and then it took another day to kind of present it into the PDFs but it's already been discovered and it's already been presented uh, kind of in a couple of different formats by different people and different levels of uh, thoroughness. But let's see, Clover and I did a video earlier talking about making money as a gun channel on YouTube, offering a perspective and overview of the environment. Like, the different pieces, the elements of YouTube and how they interact or how they react, how they, how we as content creators deal with those elements of YouTube. Couple of lawyer videos, watching some more lawyer videos. Michael Cargill posted a, a statement today on the uh, ATF pistol brace ban. I'll tell you what, I'm going to either have to cut it short or take a break here for a bit. So I think I'll take a break here for a bit.
feel free to leave some questions. But uh, nobody jumped in to be part of the show today, so I can't leave you. I'll just have to leave you hanging here for a bit. I'll leave a commercial run. Ah, see, I shouldn't even leave a commercial. So I'm just going to leave you all hanging here for a bit. Uh, if anybody joins in and freaks out that I'm not here, you know, sorry, I have to take a break for some IRL things here, and I'll be back as soon as possible. And we'll continue the show after that. All right, I'm back. So G23 is saying no audio. Now I had to walk away for a little while. So I'm back again. Uh, so thanks again for all your patience while I had to uh, do some stuff in real life here. All right, so uh, Sudak is saying, seems like we get a lot of, sorry about that, get a lot of lawyers making two-way videos now. Interesting how we went so many years with just a couple now there are a bunch yeah exactly and i know a couple of them that i'm familiar with like here are 30 years in the game and before it was even an internet i knew of them literally and others have been around for quite a while and i'm guessing they were around before they were on the scene and then the others are all brand new or at least new to the scene, right? All right. So anyway, I forgot. Oh, I was looking through the thing here. So I was watching Monkey did a 
uh, booth thing with Sorden, kind of interesting. Interesting to watch, I guess. The uh, Canadian CCFR, I don't know what that is. Canadian. The Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights, uh, 60,000 subscriber channel that I follow, obviously talking about Canada, had a uh, two-minute video, kind of a graphic infomercial looking thing, whatever they call it, an explainer video. Uh, talking about who's spreading misinformation about gun bans up in Canada. You know, you watch these different things and everybody's got their own, you know, flavors, tastes, and what they think is going to get through to people and what they create. And uh, they're Canadians also, so they're different. So interesting to watch for sure. Let's see. And then there's a whole bunch of mail calls. So I was earlier this morning working on a project, waiting for something to happen, and I had some time. And when that, for me at least, when I've got some time like that, that's usually when I try to take care of some kind of tasks, right? Like just get some some things done, some uh, kind of chores that it'd be nice if you do them, but if you don't get around to them right away, nothing's going to burn down because of it. And uh, in this case, one of the things that's been bugging me for a while is to post the unboxings that people create or post for the stuff they get at the gear website store and put all that in the blog over at gear websites. So we have a blog over there at the store and, you know, anything that's important or newsworthy or has something to do with what we're doing at the store, we put into the blog. But then I also like to have you know, the goal of the blog was to have a thank you to all the people who uh, who do shout outs or open the boxes or unboxings or mail calls or whatever they call it on their channel. But that way, I really do. I'm always interested to see how the products get there. The, the We started this whole thing off back in, here I'm posting links here. There's the link to the blog itself. Well, we started this off, I guess, in 2012. So, I mean, I think we became a YouTube partner in 2009. We started in eight, and then in nine, they started creating partners. And I was like, what? You can make money making YouTube videos. So I started becoming a partner. And then by 2012, there was a community. Like, we were already going live and stuff. So we had people that we knew that we were friends with all over the country. So that first... The first patches we did were the Arizona flags, and now I knew how to build them. So it's like, okay, now let's do some patches for the gun web. And we did, and we did a run of 100, and I think it was 10 of the one color, 25 of the one color, and the rest, whatever that comes out to, 75 or 65 or whatever it was, of the other color. And... Then we said, okay, these colors are for the people that just are cool. And then these colors are for the people that are like our extended crew, like that 
have helped us out a lot or whatever. And then this color is for just us, the people here in Tucson, whatever, that are on the gun websites team. And then I uh, shipped a bunch of those patches out in a regular envelope. And I honestly don't remember anymore. If I went to the store, they had, I've always had a pretty good relationship with our post office places that we work with. Uh, back in the olden days, I think back in 12, probably still, I was probably doing the website for two or three post office places where they'd have mailboxes and, and shipping services. Some of them were eBay stores also. And, uh, you know, I would do their websites for them or host their websites or you know, run their websites for them. So I knew these people and they would help me out with, uh, you know, if I was shipping stuff, they would show me how to do it and all that. So I probably got some assistance from them on how to ship them cheaply, but whatever. I either got bad advice or no one had dealt with it before. And anyway, we ended up shipping a bunch of these patches, a hundred of them, and I guess... I'd say, let's just, I can't remember, but let's say 60 of them never got to where they were going. And they were expensive. We did them through a middleman. I didn't know what I was doing. So it wasn't like I could just, oh, no problem. Let me just remake them. I told the place where I got them from what happened. And they went, oh, that's a shame. You know, that's, that's going to cost you the same price to get them remade. But, you know, it wasn't their fault. So I couldn't really fault them on that. But I also couldn't just have them remade. But anyway, because of that, I've always had uh i've always been like what's the word apprehensive about the shipping how the shipping's gonna go and since then you know we've changed our shipping we probably do overkill with shipping we don't charge uh or we charge for our, our, our uh, patches we're not doing we don't make patches to try to be the cheapest ones you can find we charge quite a bit for the patches because they're helping to keep the servers online and they're paying bills like the phone bills and the internet bills and the uh, you know other services that we need, the software and stuff that we need to keep the things moving. And that's how we're, you know, we're doing it. And part of that is because we do overkill at the packaging, with the shipping, with the bubble wrap packaging or whatever. But uh, again, that's because uh, for those first, second, I guess, run of patches we did we lost so many of them in one one attempt and it cost money to ship them you know 100 bucks almost to ship them all and when most of them didn't even show up where they were going it was just a real real experience so anyway um we do appreciate when people do a you know some kind of a post or a picture or something to let us know that everything got there okay because even putting stuff in the bubble envelopes doesn't mean nothing. The post office could have a bad day and something gets jammed in a door or closed funny or big box jumps on or gets smashed on top of it or it gets stuck next to something that gets grinded between something. All that stuff has happened. I'm not just making all that up. Like pretty much all that stuff has happened to stuff that we've shipped out over the years. So. Anyway, to say thanks to the people that put the videos and stuff up, we've added a blog post for every one of those, essentially. Now, not every Instagram post, so that'll be another morning someday. I'll sit down and uh, go through all the Instagram posts where people have uh, given us a heads up or a shout out or a thank you when they've received whatever it is they're receiving. Plus, it also, of course, is good to, uh, it's fun for us to let people know 
whatever they're getting for free patch Friday, because it's usually either something we were making with the robots or stuff that we grabbed at like SHOT Show or somewhere along the way, or stuff that we purchase. You know, we purchase stuff throughout the year from other patch places, from good organizations that are trying to raise funds. And if it's an awesome patch, I'll buy two or three and keep one and then put the rest up for free patch Fridays. Or if it's something that I don't need for my collection, I'll buy, I'll still buy two of them usually, and then just have a couple of them for free patch Friday options. And that way we can say thanks to the other people out there that are, you know, keeping patches interesting and keeping a variety out there and keeping the factories running. But it's also a way for us to be able to offer free patch Friday stuff that isn't always our own stuff all the time. Anyhow, so because that stuff changes all the time and some of the stuff, I guess we also have things for free patch Friday that we've purchased at uh, gun shops along the way in our travels. And that's why uh, whenever I go back and see people posting what it was they got in their free patch Friday loot, it's kind of like a time fall. What's that called? Time capsule. It's like going back and seeing what was going on at the time. Like here's uh, G23 posting something about one of the boxes we've made with one of our robots. Going back and looking at some of the, there was a bunch here during a, uh, one of our patch batches. So people were all kind of talking about the previous uh, stuff that they purchased to kind of get the patch batch going. There was a time we drove to DC to go to the rally in Washington, DC. And there was a bunch of stuff from people saying thanks to the pre-patch Friday stuff for that project, for that trip. Anyway, so that's uh, something that we that, uh, as I look through my history from today, I went and posted a bunch of that stuff. So I looked up a bunch of those videos and a lot of those are in the history. Last night, I uh, attempted to play around with the 3D software again. Um, I can't say that I'm rusty because I never really learned it. So it's more like uh, I'm an amateur who's just getting ready to practice. I don't even know what to practice yet. So uh, I guess I taught myself that I need to put my uh, practice time a lot closer to the uh, time when I spend watching the tutorial videos because I went in to try to play around last night and it was essentially a waste of time for everybody. Clover jumped in and we ended up working on some stuff on how to connect. I don't know. I think we ended up connecting our stream yards together. But uh, so that was more constructive than trying to play with the 3D software. But 3D software is pretty fun. I really like how powerful it is and what it can do. And I do have a couple of uh, immediate ideas of what I'm going to do with it when I have the time to get much more familiar with it. But until then, uh, you know, I'll still some time like that once in a while to uh, to attempt to learn it. I'm going to leave. I'm throwing away a bunch of the f videos that I've watched in the last couple of days trying to figure out what I attempted to do last night and I'll leave this one open and maybe maybe actually I started this show late I was going to say maybe I'll try to play with it a little bit tonight but I'm 
plus puppy keeps sneezing, so um, he's kind of freaking me out. Uh, last night, Crump had the fundraising uh, stream for Hoff and uh, for Richard Hoffman, a valued member of the community. So uh, if you're able to uh, throw a couple of bucks for the family, it's something that they're doing on the gifts, give, send, go. And uh, it's effectively, it's just a way to, to accumulate a bunch of funds for a good cause uh, to help the family out with the, uh, you know, with the financial side as they're dealing with the grief of uh, health situations. So thanks to Crump and the others. Night Strike was in there playing Rich. Everybody else in their crew was uh, live for that for three hours raising funds. We've got a gun owner's radio, locked and loaded Latinos, and I on the target were all live yesterday. I think I may have missed Michael Cargill because I was live and I think it's because I was live. All right, well, puppy's over here coughing and making a big scene and I dropped him on the floor and he went over, and now he's chewing on a bone. So can't be that worried that he's chewing on a bone over there. Well, let's see. What else do we got over here? I don't know what all these are showing up. There was the overnight on the topic of gun collecting over the weekend. So if you're the type to listen to long format shows, Yeah, he's over there making weird coffee noises, but it's because he's working on a bone that he's chewing on. He's getting himself all out of breath, playing with his bone. Anyway, so uh, if you're interested in a long format show, DM Foss hosts a show every other Saturday. It's overnight. It happens in the, in the uh, wee hours. And I really enjoy it. It's a non-scripted uh, show and uh, pretty much open to anybody who wants to join the Gilded server, which is a lot like a Discord server. So as I'm going through my history, I'll also remove the files or the videos that I may have actually clicked on or actually watched a little bit of but I don't want them because of their topic or because of the whatever. I don't want them in my history because I don't want YouTube recommending things based off of those videos. So as I go through to uh, use the history of YouTube videos that I've watched as notes for this conversation or this uh, presentation or whatever this is called, this podcast tonight, uh, I'm also manicuring. I'm also trimming out all the ones that I don't want. So if I watched a video where somebody was bickering about some news of the day, even if they're friends of mine, click, I will remove that from my feed because I don't want YouTube deciding I like to watch bickering shit about news of the day. Like, I don't want that stuff. So I, even if I have watched a video about that, I want to remove that from my history so that I'm showed things that I do care about or I do value. So speaking of things that I do value, the thing that came up after all that bickering was a, sh a, a video that is decent. 
that is doing tremendous effort on a consistent basis, and that's the Great Start Shooting School, Suicide Prevention Saturday. The topic this week was what does crisis look like? A conversation about, I don't know, warning signs, indicators, and the fact that those are not necessarily things that after the fact, in hindsight, you could probably say there were things that could be interpreted as, but in reality, you know, everybody's different and things are not as they seem and all this kind of stuff. So again, to make it more normalized, to have conversations about suicide awareness, about uh, removing barriers to mental health and uh, to have more effective conversations, uh, thanks to Brooke and a Great Star Shooting School project with uh, Suicide Prevention Saturday. <clears throat> Tony and Clover joined me for a couple hours to do a, kind of a SHOT Show version of Ask Gun Questions. And Charles Heller joined Tony for uh, the Weekly Bullet with uh, Paul Lathrop and some other guy who I don't know who that guy was. And that's about it for what I've got in my watch history. G23 is saying, released a video of the patches that I got and you can use it if you want. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons I got me to think about, hey, you know what, I need to update those. So yeah, I noticed that you had uh, dug into some that were shipped out um, to while you were in the hospital there. And I mean, I've I'm trying to think. Have I? I don't know if I've actually had to sit in a hospital bed before. Probably at some point. I'm just blocking it out. But I definitely, have, I understand the the frustration. I've been in hospitals with people doing heart stuff or just there for certain, you know, for lengths of time and just there to be support for them. So I understand how shitty it can be. At least I can emphasize with what it's like to be in the hospital, but being the one who's also then worried about what's going on, man, it's got to be even compounded to what I'm familiar with. So uh, if we can give you a you know, with a package like that, at least some amount of time to think about something else or something to distract you from the everything else, the real life stuff, then, you know, thanks, thanks for letting us offer that. But, uh, yeah, we'll definitely uh, put that into the blog. And then it's just another way that hopefully this, the website, the, the, the store is you know, useful. It's a pretty decent store. We're not the biggest store on the internet or nothing, but it brings in a couple of hundred uh, views every month and it's on a giant platform. There's just the infrastructure of the store. It's not like I code that myself, you know, I'm paying for that service. So that's on a big platform. So hopefully when we use the blog to link to people like G23 or Row Call or Gizzard or Clover or any of the other people who have made videos, Travis, P11, uh, people that have made videos that we're linking to, hopefully, you know, it's given them some some back links or whatever it's called nowadays and, uh, and being useful in both directions. So that's bringing us up to, to 
close to toast to the end of the hour. Uh, you know, my goal would be to do this show long format, to do this show for like three hours, take a nap, you know, in the afternoon, be rested, dive into this show, maybe an hour of this nerdy stuff I want to talk about, Second Amendment focused, that kind of thing, more than news of the day, beyond news of the day not talking about the tetherball not even talking about why they are playing tetherball you know with the back and forth news of the day game but instead just getting straight to the meat straight to the bone straight to the part that's important and do that on a daily basis because there's literally enough stuff to talk about that's important to do that daily do that for the first hour then for the second hour be normal like gun chat blah 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 let's talk about guns you know when people are having their lunch break in the middle of the night when people are just up having a all-nighter when people are driving somewhere you know we're up talking about guns we talked about the important stuff first and then we talk about guns for the second hour and then the third hour i or at least the last hour if it's a four-hour show if it's a three-hour show the middle of the show the creamy part of the oreo that's the plain old gun talk. That's the conversation about guns every day. The one cookie, the one side of the Oreo is the important stuff. The important stuff that you do first so that it gets done every day. It's there, it's consistent, and it illustrates the important work that's being done by everybody else and then consolidates it and offers a nice quick summary. And then the last hour of the day is essentially the first hour backwards so that if someone were to be listening to the last hour of the show getting ready for work they're getting the weather report of 2a like here's what we figured out during the night here's the three things you need to know that kind of a project so that the last hour is effectively here's the three things you need to know to start your day because it's an overnight show so we would start the overnight show summarizing what happened then we would just shoot the shit talking about guns, having a good time, talking about whoever sponsors the show and why they're so great and you know why they make the overnight useful and, and entertaining and amazing. And then spend that last hour of the show kind of setting people up for the next day. Here's what, here's what we came up with. Here's a summary of yesterday. Here's what's coming up tomorrow. Go take on the day. So that would be our goal. If you'd like to help make that possible, consider subscribing to our projects. Uh, we've gotten our monetization taken away over on YouTube. You know, we're going to fiddle with that. We'll try to figure it out. But it was never, it's been a long time since it was any kind of significant part of our income. So we have stuff. We have the store. We uh, work on projects. We do consulting. And then uh, we have our Patreon support, people who buy us a cup of coffee. Some people buy us lunch. So a cup of coffee is like five bucks, three bucks. You know, depends on what you call a cup of coffee, I guess. But we have some different levels over there. So for three, five bucks a month. So what would that be? 36 bucks a year, 60 bucks a year, somewhere in there. We don't really have a yearly one, but just to put it in perspective, three bucks a month, five bucks a month. And then some people buy us lunch every month. A couple of people are you know, dropping 25 bucks a month on us. So that's like taking us out to lunch every month. 
I tell you what, if 10 people were doing that, that would be 250 bucks a month right there. That would be big chunks of bills. So a whole bunch of people buying us a cup of coffee, a couple of people buying us lunch. Then there's a couple of others who are, I guess, different, you know, differently able to support or respect what we're doing. And uh, they make it possible for us to do what we're doing. You know, that pays a chunk of our bills. It makes us really able to pay attention to this stuff without trying to play games or, or worrying about trying to get you to purchase something just for the sake of purchasing something. If you value that, if you think that's worth investing some, some resources in as a capitalist, then check out Patreon. It allows you to subscribe to projects like this one. There's other people over there. There's tons of people over there doing all kinds of interesting stuff. So find what you value and look for it over on Patreon. I'll encourage you to check out our channel and see the people that we support. So right off the topic, whatever our Patreon support is that month, the first, I don't know, 30 or 40 bucks goes right back to other people on Patreon. So you can check out the people that we support and we obviously recommend them. We literally return some of that investment in us right back to those people. But uh, there might be something like guitars, there might be something like four-wheelers, or there might be something like pet, you know, maybe something about pets, I don't know, something about horseback riding, who knows what your other interests are. Go check out Patreon. I really like small gardening, small, small, gar uh, small local gardening type of things. Any kind of small business that either helps with community gardening or helps people garden in their backyard, I really think that's a, got a lot of potential to keep the planet going to do its thing. So I tend to find, seek out and support projects that work on that. Usually hippies or like weird people coming up with ideas on how to compost mushrooms or something out of lawn waste, you know? I think those kind of projects are cool. And the idea of throwing five bucks a month at something, giving people the support, the resources but also the support the idea that there are people out here that care about what you're doing give it a try see what happens not everything's a success but the way you change things the way you get things to evolve is by you know being active and part of that so anyway we really appreciate the 130 something people that participate in supporting what we do over on patreon uh, it would be a different place if there were a thousand people supporting us over there I tell you, our, you know, the overnight would be different. The people would have different conversations each morning based on the three or four hour show we did every night that uh, I could put a lot more resources into. But until that happens, again, consider uh, what would happen if Tony had two or 300 people supporting what he does at a $10 a month level. It would change what he's able to do in New Jersey. So Patreon's a pretty cool platform and what it can do is even better. So anyway, thanks for listening to me kind of talk about that. Every once in a while, I try to mention, you know, we don't just put that scroll down at the bottom because I got nothing else better to do. We really value what those folks allow us to do. Let's see. What do you think of the leather deep concealment holsters from Smart Carry? I think they're great. Maybe not for beginners, but for experts. Okay, well, holsters are like shoes, are like belts, are like pants. So what some people are gonna think are silly, 
and a waste of time. Other people are going to think are necessary because that's how they make their living. And then other people are worried about if they work and other people are worried about what they look like and nobody's right and nobody's wrong. So holsters are one of those things that the, are the interface between the tool and the human. So there's going to be a variety and people's tastes and requirements and needs and appreciation is going to change over time. So the holsters that you love today, you may hate tomorrow. The holsters that you think are perfect now are going to be a joke five years from now, probably, unless you don't evolve. And then 10 years from now, you might discover that they were a joke. And that doesn't mean that they were a joke 10 years ago. It just means that from your perspective 10 years from now and your skill set, your ability, what you consider to be an issue, you know, has changed so, you know, what you did when you were 18 seems kind of silly when, you were, when you're 40. I don't know. There's always somebody willing to sell you something. There's always somebody willing to tell you that it's a great idea or it's a horrible idea. They're not for me. And, you know, they might be for somebody, but I'm not selling them. So I don't got to really support them or shit on them. But uh, I think you're the only person that's ever asked me about them. Uh, an Ultralight 357. <clears throat> I don't know. I like my revolvers in my pocket. They're easier to get to for me than fiddling with anything. And I like a revolver because it's so small in a pocket because I don't want to have to put nothing on my belt. Some people dig having stuff on their belt and they're looking for more stuff to have on their belt because of the way it distributes weight on their body because of the way they sit down or whatever they the way they wiggle around in their life other people like me are sitting in front of a computer most of the time and when i'm not i'm jumping out of helicopters or swimming underneath the tubes and stuff so uh you know i can't deal with uh three different holsters in a day I like to have it in the same place, no matter if I'm wearing a wetsuit or a tuxedo or a robe. And uh, then other people probably just wear sweatpants all day. I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, there's probably other people that'll give you better advice about stuff, or maybe they buy a bunch of holsters and they worry about it all the time, or maybe they get paid by somebody to tell you how shitty one of them is and how the one that they like is so good. But... Uh, I don't get off on all that. I know a retired air marshal who likes horizontal underarm. Yeah. Can you imagine being an air marshal? Those people, some people think they're legendary, amazing, and other people have different opinions, the opposite opinion of them. So, the, you know, everybody that's, uh, an interesting job. I imagine they see some interesting stuff, too. Uh, let's see. I think I'm hitting everything. I don't think I missed anything. If I did, though, let me know in the comments. I'll do read the comments because I don't get that many of them. I read them all. And uh, if you're listening to this after the fact, definitely leave some comments. I didn't have any scroll going like I 
kind of contemplated doing, but earlier we had a chat going and the whole time, the whole bottom of the scroll said that if you typed in the hashtag, you could have had a chance to uh, grab a uh, free patch. I just forgot to turn it on tonight so you didn't miss nothing, but stay tuned in the future videos. Sometimes that's one of the fun extra adventures uh, we add to the mix. But until next time, we do have a couple of things going on. We have a Indiegogo campaign, which is a crowdfunding campaign, a way for people to participate in us getting new resources, namely a big fancy robot sewing machine that will make patches and hats and stuff that we're going to buy off of our friends, Alan Anchor, out of California. They don't want it anymore. They're getting ready to sell it. They, they know that we're interested. I'm interested. So they gave me a price. I figured out how much it's going to cost to buy it and go get it, fiddle with it. And we're going to do a crowdfunding project. We started it last night. It'll run for the month of February. So uh, we probably won't talk about it too much on this show other than let you know it's happening because we're going to do it. We're doing entire shows about it. So if you are interested more about that, go check it out. If you're interested in helping us out in general, then please help share that project. Let people know about it. You never know who might be interested uh, in thinking it's a neat project or what we're doing with it might be interesting. And even if they don't have resources to throw at it, they might be inclined to share it because you did. And they may share it to some rich doctor lady who throws $7,000 around like it's water. And I might be going to California next week. You never know. And if you were able to help make that possible, well, I'd surely say thank you. So you never know. And that's the fun and the power of the internet. So check, check that out. Also, we're going to have, uh, or we have our, your website store over there. And uh, G23 said, what about the poll results? That's a good question since I was going to completely forget about that. We're going to open back up. I had closed the YouTube video, so it wasn't on my mind here. We did get quite a few votes, and it looks like for the question, what is the most important topic of this week? Something else got 9%, and I don't know if anybody actually wrote what their, uh, what their something else was. New frame definitions got 9% also. New pistol brace rules got 27%. And the assault weapons ban, 55%. Uh, middle saying, that's hilarious. I just bought my doctor a $7,777 Rolex. It's sweet and sparkly. Well, there you go. So that watch costs as much as the robot I'd like to buy and the trip to go get that robot. So if you got another 7000 laying around, check out our um, project that we've got going on, a crowdfunding project, and uh, consider dropping seven grand on it. I would... Uh, much appreciate it and you can't even imagine the cool patches that we'll make because i can digitize uh whatever you come up with 
into the fancy digital files that you shove over to the robot. And then, you know, we watch the robot print it. So anyway, so that's going to be a lot of fun in the uh, next weeks or months to come. Let me go see what this comment is over here. Oh, the gizzards flaunt and the fact that these can still have channel members. So uh, thanks again to the people who had been channel members. Uh, most people were channel members because they left Patreon because they hated it. So unfortunately, when YouTube took away our channel members, we didn't really gain too many Patreons. Like two people went back over to Patreon. So we basically lost a bunch of people, but we still appreciate the people that while they were there for a few months, uh, were channel members. And again, we appreciate those folks who make it possible for us to do what we do. And we quit saying that. We'll play a commercial. And well, then you'll have to do whatever you're going to do for the rest of the evening.